Thank you for tuning in to The Way Podcast, a work of Scattered Abroad which is overseen by the East Hill Church of Christ in Pulaski, Tennessee. You can find our website at scatteredabroad.org. In this podcast, we seek to showcase the way that God wants us to live by looking at what is written in His Word. The Bible says God has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. This is That Way. Here is your host, Houston Welch. Welcome back to The Way Podcast. I'm your host, Houston Welch, and we're back here again with my good brother, Philip Tomlin. And today we're going to be discussing uh, another one of the shadows, and it's a it's it's an it's an interesting one to say the least. Uh, we're going to be talking about the year of jubilee. Now, for those who who made that uh, statement or that phrase, the year of jubilee might sound foreign to to many people because you don't really read a lot about it in the New Testament. You don't really uh, read anybody particularly keeping the year of jubilee, and if you ever do read about it, it's just in in a in a minor part, uh, minor few parts of the Bible, and and somewhat even uh, scaved over, skimmed over. Um, Tomlin, what what is the year of jubilee? Okay, so the year of jubilee is uh, so every seventh year under Jewish law was to be considered a Sabbath year. Just like every seventh day, the Sabbath day was a day of rest. On the seventh year, uh, it was to be a year of rest. The Israelites were not supposed to plant a crop that year. They're the only, they should let the land rest every seven years. Okay, so you think you have to understand that. <clears throat> but then every seven, seven years, which is sort of, hard way of saying every 50 every 49 years was the year of jubilee and the year of jubilee was sort of a, a resetting of everything you know people's debts were were wiped clean if a servant was serving his his brother that was that came to an end uh, the land that had been purchased uh, was was returned to the original ancestral owner of the land there are a lot of details involved but you know, keep in mind anything in the Old Testament is the laws explicitly for the nation of Israel. And and for them, this was a way of, of sort of setting everything back like it was in the first place, wiping the slate clean. Yeah. And and it's it's the year of Jubilee itself and and the the law and everything that it entails, which which Tomlin did a did a very excellent job of of summarizing everything. Because if you look in your Bible to Leviticus 25, that's where you can find the year of Jubilee mentioned and, and, and all of its uh, many facets. And like, as we discussed before, like any chapter or any uh, book of the law, quite frankly, and whenever you're looking throughout Leviticus and you read any one of these chapters, uh, there is a lot of information found in there. And so they're just like the rest as well as the year of Jubilee, there's a lot of stuff that that uh, is involved with it. Now, one of the things that I, I do want to mention is, uh, mention is that where do we ever read about the children of Israel keeping the year of Jubilee? Because it was one of those things that was commanded, and we do read about in 2 Chronicles 36, verses 20 and 21, and Jeremiah also uh, 
the, the Chronicles writer references the, a prophecy of Jeremiah uh, given by God stating that they were going to go into captivity for 70 years to fulfill the Sabbath. And most commentators, as well as I believe Tomlin and, and myself, believe that it's, of course, talking about them not keeping the year of Jubilee, that so many years passed by with them just completely forgetting about it. And you can understand uh, why individuals and why uh, the the Hebrew nation, why they would want to, to skip over the year of Jubilee, because it was a year of redemption. Now, yes, that would be a, a great year for many people, but also it meant that a lot of people were going to have to give up um, ownership of property, that they were going to have to let go of uh, certain slaves that they had. And th these slaves might have done an excellent job um, working uh, working for them. Now, once they came out of captivity for uh, one of the reasons going into captivity, not keeping the Sabbath, not keeping the year of Jubilee, once they came out of captivity, in Nehemiah chapter 5, we read about, uh, it doesn't explicitly state that they kept or that they did these things to keep the year of Jubilee but there's a lot of things that took place there. There was crying out of, of certain oppressed people. They were brothers and sisters of, of the Hebrew of the Hebrew nation of the Jews. And they were crying out for oppression. And they did a lot of things there, and you can read about it in Nehemiah chapter five, that were that was similar to the year of Jubilee, a lot of things that took place there. Uh, now one of the things that, that we want to, to do is discuss perhaps some of the misconceptions that is involved with the year of Jubilee. Uh, so, Philip, do you do you, can you think of any misconceptions uh, that might be involved with the year of Jubilee? Well, you know, you mentioned that one of the reasons why they might not want to keep it, well, you know, the wealthy people generally make decisions like that and the people who were the wealthiest stood to lose the most from having to wipe these debts clean uh and so they didn't really they weren't really interested in doing that but the you know some of the what you can imagine some of the abuses that people would try to use this for you can imagine people trying to take advantage of each other you know let's say the year of jubilee is coming up in two years well and and if i'm a person who has a whole lot of debt you know, in my mind, I can just think, well, if I can just wait two years, then that'll be wiped clean. But but that wasn't the intention, and and that wasn't the the uh, the the proper use of it. You know, you can't use this as an abuse to take advantage of people. You can't you can't uh, use it as a reason to withhold generosity from someone who would like to borrow from you. You know, the Bible tells us that that God is not mocked when God makes a law. You know, you, you're not going to be able to to look through it and and find a loophole that that God's going to say, "Oh man, you got me there. I didn't think about that." You know, so people they they couldn't use it as just sort of an excuse to forget about all the mistakes that they had made. I think I think about Paul in Romans six verse one. You know, he's talking about chapter five, the grace of God and the forgiveness that we have in Christ. And he asks, should we continue in sin so that grace may abound? He says, God forbid. And and that's the similar, I think, mindset that you have to have about this year of Jubilee. Absolutely. So that that would be a, a good uh, a good 
tie over to to the next um, discussion point, and that being that what what is the spiritual significance of the year of jubilee? And and before we get into that, really, we have to, to discuss well, what was it a shadow of, and how can we really know uh, that it was a shadow of uh, such and such? We've discussed before that uh, in, in our in our discussion of shadows that some some of the shadows uh, of the Old Testament which were shadows of, of things which would be revealed in the New Testament or even particularly uh, far into the future, uh, such as, as heaven itself. Some of them are stated clearly in the New Testament, such thing as, as the floods and baptism. Peter makes that clear parallel between the two. He says that it's, uh, that it's a light figure or it's the anti-type or is that that it was the type, and then it, uh, the the anti-type is baptism itself. That is the figure itself, and the flood was the shadow of baptism. Now, others aren't clearly stated in the New Testament, but we can gather the parallels, and we can look at the parallels and, and recognize this is indeed a shadow of something, especially as something that is, is something minor in the Old Testament that we can we can we can assure ourselves that it has more significance than what it did. Uh, so so what is it a shadow of? I think you know it's it's at its most basic level the year of jubilee is a shadow of the forgiveness that we have in Christ. It's a it's a shadow of, of God. You know, Jeremiah 31, 34, he speaks about the new covenant that was to come in which he said, I will remember their sins no more. You know, that's wiping the slate clean. When I, when I try to draw parallels between the year of Jubilee and the New Testament, I think about Isaiah 61 and verse 1, where the, the prophet says, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. And so you hear all those things. That's good news for people who have been struggling. And then you turn to the New Testament in Luke chapter four, and Jesus stood up in the synagogue and, and, and opened the scroll and read that same passage to them. And in Luke 4, 21, he said, today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. And so Jesus made it clear that he was he had come to to wipe the slate clean. You know, the, the liberty that was proclaimed or that was supposed to be proclaimed in the year of Jubilee every 50 years when Jesus came, he said, look, this is this is something that is going to be perpetually true now because of what I'm going to do. I'm proclaiming liberty to the captive and, and good news to the poor. And, and it's a shadow of, of the redemption that we have in Christ. I think about God and his relationship with Israel. You know, Israel was in slavery in Egypt, and God redeemed them out of that situation. He purchased them in a sense, and so they belonged to him, and he gave them this land that also belonged to him. Well, you fast forward to the New Testament, 1 Peter 1, 18 and 19. It says, we have been redeemed by the blood of Christ. 1 Corinthians 6, 20 says, we are bought with a price. 
Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Second uh, Corinthians five seventeen. If any is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things are passed away; all things are new. And so, just like so, I think about the year of jubilee and how much I would look forward to that if I had been struggling and 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 have had to sell myself into slavery or whatever. Uh, in reality, we have sold ourselves into slavery to sin, and the only way that we are released from that slavery is the blood of Jesus. And so, you know, it's it's something, all of these laws in the Old Testament, they weren't really for Israel as much as they are for us today, so that we can look back and draw those parallels between the forgiveness and, and the grace that we find in Christ and, and what God intended to offer to the Israelites. Absolutely. Uh, you you mentioned you mentioned Luke chapter four and Jesus reading from Isaiah reading that passage from Isaiah and I love that the the last part of that is to preach the acceptable year of the Lord and mm -hmm. so it's a, it's a direct reference to this and one of the things to note about that is that whenever it says that it's the acceptable year of the Lord is that it's it's pleasing to God that the year of jubilee that keeping those Sabbaths that that year of redemption was God, well, he commanded it and he wanted it to happen, but it was desirable for him. It was pleasing to him. And it's the same way for, for him whenever whenever man is redeemed, whenever anybody is redeemed uh, and, and brought back to God and their, their relationship with God is reconciled, it is, it's what God wants. He desires that. It is acceptable to him. Drawing a, a few more parallels uh, between the year of Jubilee and what we now have in Christ, um, is that one of, one of them is that it was to begin on the Day of Atonement. So I, I want to read um, Leviticus 25 and verse 9. Then shall you cause the trumpet of, of Jubilee to sound on the tenth day of the seventh month. In the Day of Atonement, you shall uh, uh, make the trumpet sound throughout all your land. Well, our Day of Atonement is whenever Christ was crucified. Romans chapter 5, verse 11, and, and not only so, but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we now have received atonement or reconciliation. And there are, there are various other parallels, one being that there's, a, there's an abundance of blessings that was involved with the year of Jubilee, uh, that God would provide one of the things that was going to happen whenever they let the land rest was that God was going to provide for them. Now, granted, they had to they had to keep things in store. They had to store up for the next year, but God was going to take care of them as long as they did what, what he required. In the New Testament age, we have an overabundance of blessings, spiritual blessings, and I don't think that there's any Christian that, that would say that their life as a Christian is not full of physical blessings as well. At least they should be thankful for what they've got. Uh, then, like like what we read, uh, it proclaimed liberty to the captives. Well, you referenced uh, that that we sell ourselves into slavery, slavery uh, to sin. Romans sixteen, seventeen, and eighteen. Well, now we are we we obey righteousness. And then it, of course, it provided a forgiveness of debt. And I believe that that's one of the, the main blessings that we have today. One of the things that I wanted to mention in regards uh, 
to the year of Jubilee and going back to some of these misconceptions. And, and you, you heavily alluded to this, uh, that it's not something that, that we can abuse. Uh, it's not something to be abused. And so whenever we look at it as, as a shadow of what we now have in Christ, it's not something to be abused, implying that there still had to, a debt still had to be paid uh, without going, without reading through the entirety of Leviticus 25 to summarize it somewhat, that if, if you got into a hard time, uh, into a hard shape, and you had to, let's say, sell your land, or you had to uh, make yourself a slave, and so you were somebody else's is worker. Within this time period, from the time that you had to sell the land or or sell whatever it may be, sell yourself to the to the year of jubilee. Let's say you sold yourself you were working to pay that debt for that amount for that amount of time and let's say you sold your land whenever the year of jubilee came it wasn't that the land was to just be completely given back over to you but rather that if you had the means to pay it back it was an opportunity to buy back the land Think of it in, in modern times. If, if there is a piece of property that has been passed down through generation to, uh, to generation, and let's say here in, or take it back to 2008 here in, here in the States, whenever a lot of people were going through a hard time, there was many people that had to sell, uh, sell portions of their land because they were in a hard time. And whenever they did that, they no longer had an opportunity to buy that land back unless somebody, uh, whoever it was that they sold it to, decided, well, I don't want to keep it anymore. Then it was up for sale. It wasn't like that for the Jews. In the seventh year, if the person who originally sold the property had the means to buy it back, then the person that bought the property had to sell it back to them. So, but the debt still had to be paid, and that's the point that I'm that I'm that I want to stress here is that it's also a shadow of the New Testament age because the debt was still paid. Our debt as Christians has still been paid. Uh, Tomlin, do you have any uh, any remarks, any comments, any that's, final comments? That's exactly right. I, the The wages of sin is death. You know that is. If if you commit sin, the the wages that you earn is death. You know, wages are something that that you deserve, right? And so when we commit sin, that that penalty is due. We have to pay that penalty, or the penalty at least has to be paid. But the good news is, and that's why the gospel is the good news. Jesus paid that penalty for us, and it's not as if God just said, "Okay, never mind. I'm I'm just going to wipe the slate clean." Uh, no, it, it our our freedom, our liberty, our redemption is free to us, but it absolutely was not free. You know, it cost it cost Jesus his life, and it was his blood. You know, when when First Corinthians tells us you were bought with a price, that is the price that that you're bought with is the blood of Christ, and and so the grace of God has been extended to us at the price of of the blood of his son absolutely uh, well 
if you if you stayed tuned in until uh, until now, we do appreciate you. We hope that that you have been edified and perhaps even encouraged. Uh, and and maybe for, go and further your study of the year of jubilee. It's certainly something that's interesting. It's it's interested me at least. We do advise you to go check out some of our sistering podcasts, uh, perhaps the Weathering the Storm podcast or the Far Better podcast and maybe even the Diligent podcast. Uh, there's many, many other great podcasts to go and listen to uh, that's with the, the Scattered Abroad Network. We do appreciate you. If you wish to reach out to us, you have any questions, well, you can contact us through email, through the website. Uh, the link should be down in the description below. We do appreciate you. Have a good day. Thank you for listening to this podcast from the Scattered Abroad Network. If you would like to email us, you can do so at thescatteredabroadnetwork at gmail.com. That's thescatteredabroadnetwork at gmail.com. Remember, you can check the show notes below for all of our social media platform links. Also, don't forget that you can find us on all major podcast platforms and please leave us a rating or review. We hope and pray that this has helped you grow closer to Christ even though we are scattered abroad. May God bless you.